0: Welcome and thanks for checking out this podcast from First International Christian Fellowship. The following message you are about to hear was carefully crafted with you in mind. Wherever you are joining us from, we hope that this message speaks to you as it did to us. Now here's Pastor Joe Salcedo delivering this week's sermon. Please join me in the word of prayer. Father, we thank you once again for... This privilege to learn more about you and your will for us and your message for us. To be able to hear from you, to read your word, and to gather, Lord God, and praise you and sing praises to you without fearing for our lives, Lord God. Thank you very much, Lord. Father, as we lift this evening to you, I pray, Lord God, that you override my preparations, Lord. Let you and you alone speak to your people once again. I pray that you open the eyes of their hearts, Lord God, and they will hear you. Whatever it is that you're trying to tell them, Lord God, may it be revealed to them and may they be willing to accept it. Forgive us, Lord, for all of our sins, Lord. Let not anything about me, Lord God, hinder you from speaking, to speak to your people tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I of our message tonight, The What and Whys of Life. A, pers- a purposeful life is and must be determined By the what and the whys of a person, correct? In order for that person to proceed and carry on, especially when things get difficult, your what and your whys become important in order for you to carry on the reason behind what you're doing, why you're doing what you're doing, and to begin with, what are you doing? There has to be the reason behind those things must be important to you. And you have made that resolve or that decision that, okay, this is why I'm doing what I'm doing. Correct? Successful people in the world, if you, whether it's in the world of sports or politics, their career is become successful because they have made that decision from an early age or despite the challenges, they keep on doing what they're doing because their answer to the questions of the what and whys of their life is. As believers of Jesus Christ, we also are faced with a what question and a why question. And it must be determined for us to know why we have to live the life that we're living. So I took a break. My family I took a break. I took a break from the pulpit for two weeks. And the reason is... The question is, why? Why did I need to take a break? Because plain and simple, I was tired. (laughs) But this was the first time that I was tired, physically tired, emotionally tired, spiritually tired, and mentally tired. I really needed to take a break. I really needed. Why did I take a break? So that I could do what I'm supposed to be doing. I'm doing what I'm doing because God called me to do this here in this body. Never did it cross my mind to pastor another church because I know to pastor this church was my call in this alone. Although I've been offered a couple times to go somewhere else, which is stupid because (laughs) it's stupid because I wasn't even trying to go anywhere anyway. But if you have determined your what and your why's, you'll be able to continue to do what you're supposed to be doing. Amen? And if your what and your why's is not heavy enough, or not true, or not genuine enough, then you'll quit. You'll stop. Correct? You will. And when it comes to Christian faith, too, if your what and your why hasn't been determined clearly by our Lord to you, it will fail. And you will stop. Some of us, we call ourselves believers of Christ because we're saved by grace, right? And through grace alone. And that's what we've been reading in Galatians. But the difficulty is, sometimes our life truly does not reflect Jesus in our lives. Romans 10.9 reads, If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Some of us, we just enjoy the Savior part of that message, that verse. We don't actually understand the Lord part. Because it says there, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. For some of us, if we just want to be saved, it's so easy, right? And believe in your heart is the second part. There has to be some decision, a decision in your heart. That God raised Jesus that Jesus is who he says he is you will be saved not just the plain declaration by our mouth but internal Our life made the decision we made the decision with our life and verse 10 says for it is with your heart that you believe and are justified and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved because nobody would know right Only Jesus, some some of us were good to say, only God knows what's in my heart. Right, that's true. But tell me what's in your heart. Right, we have to profess. Sometimes it is embarrassing to profess that we are believers. Especially if we live like a bonehead for the rest of the week, right? The whole week, we were talking and walking as if we're part of the world. And then we declare that Jesus is Lord. Yeah, it gets embarrassing. Correct? I've been in there. Verse 11, the scripture says, anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame. That's the comforting truth of grace, correct? Saved by grace is guaranteed by Jesus because his work is perfect. For there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all richly blesses all who call on him. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So the question is, Then what? If you are saved by grace, and then what? If you declare that Jesus is Lord, then what? After this conversion, it is the responsibility of the believer. If the believer is given the gift of life again, continue to move forward after you receive Christ. I've I've witnessed, I've been given the privilege by the Lord to witness many conversions under deathbed. The, la- the most recent one was a guy that I didn't even know. His name is Sixto. It's not the height. It's his name. S-I-X-T-O. 62 I forgot his last name. But I was called because of the website that we had in place. It says Filipino International Christian Fellowship. For some reason, that still popped out there. The person called me. I have a dying person with us. And we need some religious person to come see him. I guess it's the next step on that part. So I said, hey, okay, we'll do it. I walked in there, and first thing he says, is, the nurse said, oh, hey, somebody's here to see you. And he goes, do you have a million dollars for me? I guess he's in morphine and everything. I go, no, I have better. I have, a be- I have better than a million dollars for you. And I, let, you know, I shared the gospel to him, and he prayed to receive Christ. He then did not have the opportunity to live a life glorifying God. Do we agree? He didn't, just like the 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 thief on the cross, the criminal on the cross, did not have the time to glorify God with his life. But it's everybody, every believer's responsibility to get to know who Christ is after we accept Him as our Lord. Do we agree? Because if you made a very critical and heavy decision in your life for eternity, has eternal implications, it should be your utmost desire to know what you have done. Correct? And to whom you surrendered your life to. And that's where it becomes difficult. One of the difficulties, I believe, in our faith is the tendency of us being complacent or overfamiliar with the truth of the Lord and His grace. That we fall and we fail to listen to. You know why? Because of this verse. I know this is a stretch, but I'll give it a shot. Proverbs twenty-five seventeen reads, Don't visit your neighbors too often, or you will wear out your welcome. <laughs> We're laughing. That means amen. It's okay. It's okay. I won't be at your house too long. <laughs> it's true. You know what the... Um, Oh, man, I just butchered the joke. What? <laughs> you know what's the similarities between fish and guest? It goes bad after three days. <laughs> so you need to get rid of them after the third day. <laughs> Overfamiliarity is what this proverb is saying. When you're over-familiar with certain people, right? When we're over-familiar with some people, we tend to... Get irritated by them worst thing is we tend to take them for granted just look at your spouse <laughs> if you have been taking them for granted you are over familiar with them because I tell you some other people would love to have your spouse as their spouse that's why, yeah, look at the divorce rates. <laughs> I'm, I'm not talking about, I'm not guessing here. Look at the divorce rates. That's why they keep switching partners because they think they'll find the right one. Or they saw somebody else with somebody that they, oh, that was my soulmate. Why does she have him? <laughs> Overfamiliarity breeds contempt. And you know, sometimes when, even us here at church, because we take everybody for granted. Because we know they're always going to be there. Oh, yeah, Don's going to be there until Don doesn't show up. Like, well, where is Don? <laughs> Pastor's going to be there until I take a break. what, what, what? what? Take a break. <laughs> then I get a text. Are you okay? <laughs> Sometimes it's good to take a break. The absence makes the heart grow fonder. <laughs> no, I really needed the break. <laughs> <laughs> Let me bring this other one here. So my Heather says, overfamiliarity breeds contempt and complacency. This is Jesus. Jesus left there and went to his hometown, accompanied by his disciples. When the Sabbath came, he began to teach in the synagogue. And many who heard him were amazed. Where did this man get these things? They asked. What's this wisdom that has been given him? What are these remarkable miracles he is performing? Isn't, he, isn't this the carpenter? Right? And it's just people looked at Jesus and they were thinking, I know this guy. I saw him when he was growing up. How can he be talking about all these things about God? He can't be wise. He's the carpenter's son. Now he's a carpenter. There's no way he would know about God and faith. Sometimes we take things for granted. We take people for granted because we're so used to them. Do we agree? Most of the time it happens, sadly, here at church. At our church and some other churches. Because we hear a certain voice, we hear a certain message over and over and over again. We think we already know it and we take it for granted and we become complacent and then we fail. If you, again, remember... Galatians 2, where Paul rebuked Peter. Peter, the apostle, the guy that walked with Jesus, still fell into legalism. The things that are hard, the hardest things to learn are the things that we think we already know. If we think we're humble and we're proud that we're humble, (laughs) we just failed, right? The second we think, man, I made it. You just failed. The things that are so stagnant, we take for granted. The sun, it goes up in the morning, it goes down. We don't care until winter hits. And you're like, man, Lord, please, I miss the sun. But you don't care. You could care less if it's just there every day to a point you resent it. Oh, gosh, so hot in here. <laughs> Turn on the AC, right? Same with our spouse. Our relationships with everybody. We take everyone for granted because we know they're going to be there. We know our spouse is going to be there whether we're grumpy or not. And because we know that they're believers, they should be believing in the word of the Lord. That husbands, (laughs) submit to your wives. No, no. (laughs) Husbands, love your wives. Amen. Why, is the, why are the wives the one saying amen to that? The husband should be saying amen to that, right? And wives, submit to your husbands. <laughs> 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 Next topic. <laughs> okay. Jesus left there, or was is it the carpenter? Isn't this Mary's son and the brother of James, Joseph? Jo- Judas and Simon, aren't his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. Jesus said, a prophet is not without honor except in his own town, among his relatives, and in his own home. He could not do any miracles there except lay his hands on a few sick people and heal them. He was amazed at their lack of faith. Some reason, for some reason, the saddest thing is even us believers, you already know or know about God and believe and trusted Jesus with your life for eternity, but sometimes you doubt him on specific things. It's a lack of faith. All of a sudden, we're like, oh, maybe God can't do this. This part. Because this is about a car. Like I had car issues this week and you know, I, I, I'm not a mechanic. Everybody, those, who know, you, those of you who know me, you know that I can only put gas and change my tire and drive, right? So I was having my check engine. I'm like, oh man, How am I going to make it home? Because I was like in Spanish Springs and my car was shaking. So it led me to prayer. And I said, Lord, you created the universe. This is just a car. <laughs> can you please help me get back home? I made it. Actually, the check engine went away. Yeah, yeah. For five minutes and then came back. (laughs) (laughs) It did. But the point here is God can't do anything for those who doubt him. Amen? And believer, if you have accepted Christ as your Lord, you still doubt him. The question is why? Why are you still doubting him? And that because of your doubt, your prayer is not being answered. Okay, that's too careless for me to say because there's that that gospel, name it, claim it, right? Let's name it and claim it. Hey, if it's not according to God's will, you're not going to get your prayer answered. If you're praying for your friend's spouse to be your spouse, it's not going to happen. Not going to happen. Not in this lifetime, right? Now, if you're praying for the husband to go because till death do them part, then you're, your prayer is still not being answered. We're laughing. I'm giving ridiculous examples here, but we've all said stupid prayers. Do we agree? We've all said it. No matter how Christianese we enveloped and covered it, Oh Lord Jesus, creator of the universe, almighty, I love you Lord. You, You walked on the water. You can do all things or give me this promotion. In Jesus' name I pray. It's like abdakadabra. You think that's your Abd al-Qadabra. You think you have a magic spell that you could put up. But if it's not according to God's will, your faith will not be answered. And the other thing, again, if you're over-familiar with the Lord, sometimes you take Him for granted. If you're over-familiar with a certain doctrine, sometimes you take it for granted. I wish I would be saying differently, but it's not. So... Like I said earlier, I'm going to take the 30 minutes that Doug left out last week. (laughs) So we will get two coffee breaks tonight. Just raise your hand if uh, it's 45 minutes, okay? The Galatian church also was warned. The letter to the Galatians was written because they fell to something that they should have already known. But they took it for granted. They were too careless. They thought that they could add something. To it. Why? Right? As your pastor for the members of this church, I feel led and compelled to address two issues. Tonight, two. <laughs> that maybe I have neglected to teach or state clearly as I thought it was something that you already knew. Or maybe I just it's something I just didn't want to say because it'll sound legalistic of me. And I didn't want to sound legalistic, or, or the fact that I didn't want to bash on another faith. But regardless of what I thought it was, or I didn't think it was, uh, we're going to discuss it tonight. What did we celebrate on October thirty-one? Somebody said Halloween. Somebody said Reformation Day. Right. I was, I was really counting that somebody would say Halloween. <laughs> I really was. <laughs> Did you know that the Bible tells us, believers, is there a camera up on me right now? Okay, <laughs> we'll just, believers are not, we're not supposed to celebrate Halloween. We're not supposed to celebrate Halloween. And let me have the Bible, Word of God, back me up on this. These are the few that I want to give you tonight. There's a few more. But these are the ones that we're going to use. In 1 Thessalonians 5.22, abstain from all appearance of evil. Oh man, Halloween. Let's start with that, appearance of evil. 1 Corinthians 10.21, you cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons. You cannot partake of the table of the Lord and the table of demons. 3 John, beloved, do not imitate evil. Imitate good. Whoever does good is from God. Whoever does evil has not seen God. You know the funny thing is, you have dressed, you can dress, or you have dressed like the devil once a year, but you've never looked like the angel of God 364 days. If you are a believer. Ephesians 5:11. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. There goes my popularity vote. <laughs> oh man, <laughs> it's all right. Romans, why? This is the why. That's the what. We're not supposed to do it. October 31, the Halloween. We're not supposed to do it. Why? Because we're not to be conformed to this world. But be transformed by the renewal of your mind. That by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. First Peter 5:8, be sober-minded. Be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. You know, a former Satanist priest who became a believer and is now a pastor has shared on camera, on video, that the Satanist church, they pray that that during Halloween, people will come. And they pray for marriages to be destroyed, for children to be hurt. Everything else but good to the believing church. You know what? The world, I'm not going to tell the world to not celebrate this. But to the believer, I'm telling you now. And you guys got me on record. So I'll just replay this next year. but hey if you didn't know now you know right and if you knew and you struggled you just know that you failed but if you knew and you struggle with it but you did do it just like my children my children are having such a hard time with this and you know I feel their pain everybody else is doing it and it's candies for goodness sake you know who doesn't like candies Right? Who doesn't like seeing kids in their, you know, cute costumes? Alonzo, when we used to buy him costumes, he'll be, he'll be four superheroes in a minute. The minute I, I step in, the second I step in at the house. He'll be Spider-Man when he greets me. He'll be Hulk while I'm brushing my teeth. He'll be Fantastic Four while I'm putting my pajamas. And then he'll be Superman right before we go to bed. Those are all cute. It's all good. Nothing's bad about candy unless you have too much, right? You make them hyper. And sugar leads to other things too. But in reality, what harm does it do? You know what harm it does? is our relationship with the Lord. The Bible says it. It's very clear. It's right there. We did celebrate another thing on October 31. And somebody did say a reformation. Oh, but let's finish this. Ephesians 5, 6 to 12. Let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience, the world. Therefore, do not become partners with them. For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the world. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true, and try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. You know, it's a great springboard to tell people at work that you're a believer if you haven't done so. On this particular day, right? For the first time, they'll hear like, oh, why are you dressing up this Halloween? Oh, I don't practice that. I'm a Christian. Wow. That's simple. Simple enough, right? But you take a stand. Christians, we take a stand. I don't know about how you've seen what you've read here, but people who believe in Jesus took stands for him. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego did not bow down to the statue. Daniel. Daniel. Did not stop praying. We're just told not to practice Halloween and we cry about, oh, gosh, what a legalistic point of view. Right? Who cares? Such a small thing. It is. It's such a small thing, but we can't give it to God? Doesn't remove the, the heaviness of it. Especially if you've been practicing it for a long time. But still this is what God has told us to do and our goal our what should be to please the Lord our what is to please the Lord and our what goes with our why why because I want to please the God who has given me everything my family my children my wife my health you can never we don't treasure our health until we get sick until someone that we love or care about gets sick right but in return to that God that has given us everything, is just obedience on that one, one particular day in the, in the year. And we're supposed to be the light of the world. We're not supposed to be partners with them. This is the other one that we celebrated. It was the anniversary of the beginning of the Reformation movement. You guys even know that? Some of us do, Right? This is my second unpopular statement for the day tonight. On October 31, 1517 was when German monk, the priest and scholar Martin Luther approaches the door of the castle church in Wittenberg, Germany. I think I have the the slide there. Yeah. And nails a piece of paper to it containing the 95 revolutionary options that would begin the Protestant Reformation, the 95 Theses. In his Theses, Luther condemned the exercise and corruption of the Roman Catholic Church, especially the papal practice of asking payment called, quote-unquote, indulgences for the forgiveness of sins. You get to pay so that you get forgiven. So the rich can pay for your sins, too. 501 years ago, a German monk named Martin Luther started a protest that exploded into a worldwide movement. At that time, Europe lived in the shadow of the Roman Catholic Church. It was more like an empire than a church. It crowned and cast down kings and used its, do- its dominance to keep people in the darkness of superstition. That sounds pretty unfamiliar correct when in some ways Luther's day was very much like our own just like today everyone had an opinion about the Bible you agree they will say oh it's just an old book it's probably been translated incorrectly a lot of that don't apply to us anymore our world is different now right they all have their opinion but they actually are not really reading the Bible they're nitpicking what they think they could use for their own benefit so they could live their sinful what life and with this knowing that our faith just like with me I used to be a Catholic believing person exercising or once in a while <laughs> I was never really faithful and I really thought I would go to hell because I know that what they teach is faith plus works equals maybe you go to hell. So my best shot really knowing who I was and knowing what sins are is purgatory, which the Bible doesn't teach. So a lot of things are wrong about that faith. A question was raised to our brother Richard here, um, last week, two weeks ago. A question that him and I discussed. And we're on the same page. Just to cut the suspense there. (laughs) We're on the same page. And I feel compelled to, to also say it. The question was, are there believers in the Catholic Church? What I told Brother Richard is, the question is probably asking this. Can I stay as a Catholic and still believe in Jesus Christ? What they're saying is, they want to keep everything about the Catholic faith, most especially their family who will disown them once they make the decision. Which is like a betrayal for Filipinos especially. I was disowned for a little while when I did it. I was accused that I did it because I wanted to marry Annalou. That's, that's why I became a born-again Christian. That's how shallow they thought I was. But a lot of it, that question, to, plain it, to put it simply, yes. There are probably real believers in the Catholic Church because what what's the what's the doctrine if you declare Jesus is Lord you will be saved but my question to those believers who are still in the Catholic Church what are they still doing in there because there's idolatry in there and there is in addition to that they're teaching there now the other question are Catholics saved if you read Galatians Chapter 3, 2 and 3, you will see that it will say it's just by faith alone, through Christ alone, by grace alone. The Catholic Church teaches, and I am not bashing the Catholic Church. It does sound like that right now. But as your pastor, if there are still questions lurking around in our church, I'm trying to address it once and for all. That's all I'm trying to do. What was, my, what was my point? <laughs> I got serious there. <laughs> my hair kind of... <laughs> <laughs> what was I saying? No. So the next question... It, what was my question? <laughs> no. I lost it. <laughs> so anyway, Martin Luther saw that there's a lot of mistakes in the faith what he wanted to do was to have a debate that's what he wanted to do but he never got it because the Reformation was well on its way right after he posted that thing because God used him as the first movement as the first moving piece to declare the real gospel the Catholic faith teaches That Jesus is Lord and plus do this, do that, do this and that. Pray to her, pray to him. There's an addition to. I like how you put it. It's a package deal. It's not by Christ alone. Because if we are reading this and Galatians is the book that opened Martin Luther's that's why we're using him as an example it opened his eyes to the truth this as they call the small romans book is also the the book that the reform, reformers leaned on the galatian book so the question job's question but how can a man be righteous before God? Right? Job asked that. And you know, because the, the, he asked that because this is what Bildad, his friend, supposedly friend, said. If you would earnestly seek God and make your supplication to the Almighty, if you were pure and upright, surely now he would awake for you and prosper your rightful dwelling place. He's basically saying, if you will only be good, if, you can, if you'll only try your best, if you will just do your give it your best shot, you will make it to heaven. That's what all the religions say. That's, what, that's the answer of all religions on how we can make it right to God, is take part of it. Do your best. And what's it saying? What's the truth? We have no part in it. We have no part in it. It is through Christ alone. Amen? So I don't know if I've answered it clearly, but if you have any more questions, please feel free to call me and speak, discuss this with me because it's right here. And the letter of the Galatian church was made by Paul because they were being taught a different gospel. They were trying to add circumcision to their salvation, which is wrong. Because faith plus something is wrong. Faith minus something is wrong. It's by faith on Christ alone, by grace alone, by faith alone. Does the law save? Remember Galatians 3, 1 to 4? O foolish Galatians, who has cast an evil spell on you? For the meaning of Jesus Christ's death was made as clear to you as if you had seen a picture of his death on the cross. Let me ask you this question. Did you receive the Holy Spirit by obeying the law of Moses? Of course not. You received the Spirit because you believed the message you heard about Christ. Amen? Believers, we did not receive our salvation because we obeyed the Ten Commandments. Because if we're going to be real and honest, we can't pass the Ten Commandments. As a matter of fact, we will fail the Ten Commandments 100 times over before the day is done. Drive at 395 North at 4 o'clock. I'll tell you, you've committed murder five times because some people cut you and some soup bonehead crash and you're delayed. You're like, oh my gosh. Now you're lying to your wife, where are you? I thought you were going to be here early. I'm on my way. I'm five minutes away. right? You, you would break the Ten Commandments easy. And praise God, that's not the way to heaven. How foolish can you be? Paul pleading to the Galatians. Me pleading to us here, if you think there is in addition to, or if you can stay in that lifestyle, my my question is why? After starting your new lives in the spirit, why are you now trying to become perfect by your own human effort? Have you experienced so much for nothing? Surely it was not in vain, was it? You know Martin Luther. This is a little background f- uh, about him. It says here, Luther came from a hard-working stock. He was born in the little town of Eis- Eisleben, Eisben, Germany. I probably butchered that. November 10, 1483. His father, Hans, was a copper miner who eventually gained some wealth from a shared interest in mines, smelters, and other business ventures. His mother was a pious, was pious but religiously superstitious. Luther was raised under the strict disciplines of Roman Catholic Church and was groomed by his industrious father to be a successful lawyer. To this end he pursued an education and then at the University of Erfurt in philosophy. At the latter he received a bachelor of arts degree in 1502 and a master of arts degree in 1505. Luther's life took an unexpected turn in July 1505. When he was 21, he was caught in a severe thunderstorm and knocked to the ground by a nearby lightning strike. Ha! <laughs> I fear that too, you know. <laughs> Terrified, he cried out to the Catholic patroness of minors, Help me, St. Anna, and I will become a monk. Have you done these prayer too? <laughs> Luther survived the storm and made, the, and made good on his dramatic vow. Two weeks later, he entered the Augustinian Monastery in Erfurt. His father was furious over Luther's apparent wasted education, but Luther was determined to follow through on his vow. In 1510, 1510, Luther was sent to Rome, where he witnessed the corruption of the Roman Church. He climbed the Scala Sancta, the Holy Stairs, supposedly the same stairs Jesus ascended when he appeared before Pilate. According to fables, the steps had been moved from Jerusalem to Rome. And the priests claimed that God forgave sins for those who climbed the stairs on their knees. Luther did so, repeating the Lord's Prayer, kissing each step and seeking peace with God. But when he reached the top step, he looked back and thought, who knows whether this is true. He felt no closer to God. You know, we had this in Baguio where I grew up in. That stairs going up to the cathed- Baguio Cathedral. Oh my goodness. And we had the Lord is Grotto. My mom would make us do that every Holy week. And the only thing I could look forward to was the vendors on the side so I could start eating. You know? Because boy, was it a lot of walking. But the funny thing is, when you complete it, you feel, you feel, you feel like you did something. You feel holy, right? After the sweat and the sun, you're like, man, I, I did good. I'm going to go to heaven. It does give you that false feeling, although Luther didn't feel it. Luther received his Doctor, doctor of Theology degree in the University of Wittenberg. In 1512 and was named professor of Bible there remarkably Luther kept this teaching position for the next 34 years until his death in 1546 one question consumed him the same question that job asked how is a sinful man made right before a holy God how is a man you know he would because he studied this okay we're not talking about a guy who just was just picked up there and was a street vendor and then all of a sudden said, oh, Roman Catholic Church is wrong. No, it was the same guy that studied under them, studied the same Bible, and found out these things. In the monastery, Luther was driven to find acceptance with God through works. He wrote, I tortured myself with prayer Fasting, vigils, and freezing. Imagine. The frost alone might have killed me. What else did I seek by doing this but God? He really wanted to be right with the Lord. To a point that he did everything to his best. Seeking by doing this but God, who was supposed to note my strict observance of the monastic monastic order and by my perfect life. I constantly walked in a dream and lived in a real idolatry, for I did, for I did not believe in Christ. I regarded Him only as a severe and terrible Judge, portrayed as seated on a rainbow. Elsewhere, he recalled, when I was a monk, I wearied myself greatly for almost fifteen years with the daily sacrifice, torturing myself with fastings, vigils, prayers. And other very rigorous works I earnestly thought to acquire righteousness by my works this was Luther you know it was also said that he would confess his sins there was one time he confessed his sins for six hours the priest that took his confession told him the next time you come here is when you commit adultery or pornification Other than that, you're okay. Don't come back until you commit those two things. Six hours? What does that show you? This is a man truly wanting to be right with the Lord. Truly wanting to be right with the Lord. Same with Paul. Paul did everything to the T. The law required him to do. He did everything. He tortured the people that believed in Jesus Christ because he believed they're doing the wrong thing that they were blaspheming the real God until Jesus appeared on the street of Damascus and told him that he is wrong same with Martin Luther believer if you have made the decision if you used to be a Catholic and you made the decision of accepting Christ as your Lord you made the right decision as the Bible shows you. I get it. We have loved ones that are still there. Our urgency should be that they are being enslaved. We can't believe the lie, okay? That, oh, because they profess that Jesus is Lord, they could be saved too. Because you have to know that that's entangled or packaged with some other things. If it's not with Christ alone, and faith alone, and grace alone, you're still lost. And you have to accept that truth because that should give you urgency to share the truth to them. That's just the truth. Galatians 3.5, I ask you again. Does God give you the Holy Spirit? And work miracles among you because you obey the law? Of course not. It is because you believe the message you heard about Christ. In Romans 4.15 it also says, For the law always brings punishment on those who try to obey it. Obey the law. If you try to obey the law, it will just condemn you. Because the law is to point us to Christ. The law's purpose was to point us and to show us that we can't make it to heaven. We need a savior, and anything else, any other faith that teaches the other part is wrong. You have to take a stand. In our faith, you can't be wishy washy best word I can come up with. There has to be a resolve, there has to be a real decision. what did God say through Paul I am astonished that you are so quickly discerning remember chapter 1 discerning the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel which is really no gospel at all evidently some people are throwing you into confusion and are trying to pervert the gospel of Christ but even if we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you, let them be under God's curse. So no, a false gospel will not save anybody. As we have already said, so now I say again, if anybody is preaching to you a gospel other than what you accepted, let that person, let them be under God's curse. Strong words, I know. But it's the truth. For me, if it's true, I'd I'd rather know the truth, really. And then go from there. Now, if I haven't been clear all these three years, if this was your first church and this is where you accepted Christ, I hope I'm clear tonight. Because I'm thinking, I'm thinking this issue came out, it came about, and I was really it kind of burdened, it did burden me. Because maybe I'm not doing my job properly. Maybe I'm not communicating God's truth properly. Or maybe I have sidestepped to not mention this. Because I'm not trying to bash anybody. That's my first thought. I don't want to bash any other people's faith. But still, if it's not clear, we're making it clear tonight. What is the gospel of Christ? Galatians 3. 3.11, clearly no one relies on the law is justified before God. No one who relies on the law is justified before God because the righteous will live by faith. Galatians 3.11, Romans 1.17, Hebrews 10.38, Habakkuk 2.4. This is... words of Martin Luther though I lived as a monk without reproach I felt that I was a sinner before God with an extremely disturbed conscience I could not believe that he was placated by my satisfaction I did not love yes I hated the righteous God this is Martin Luther's words who punishes sinners and secretly if not blasphemous blasphemously certainly murmuring greatly I was angry with God and said as if indeed it is not enough that miserable sinners eternally lost through original sin are crushed by every kind of calamity by the law of the Decalogue or the Ten Commandments. Without having God add pain to pain by the gospel and also by the gospel threatening us to his righteousness and wrath. Thus I raged with a fierce and troubled conscience. Nevertheless I beat importunately upon Paul at that place, more ardently desiring to know what Paul wanted. At last, by the mercy of God, meditating day and night, I gave heed to the context of the world, words, namely, in it the righteousness of God is revealed. As it is written, He who has faith is righteous shall live. There I began to understand that the righteousness of God is that by which the righteous lives by a gift of God, namely by faith. And this is the meaning. The righteousness of God is revealed by the gospel, namely the passive righteousness with which merciful God justifies us by faith. As it is written, He who through faith is righteous shall live. Here I felt that I was altogether born again and had entered paradise itself through open gates. There a totally other face of the entire scripture showed itself to me. Thereupon I ran through the scriptures from memory. I also found in other terms an analogy as the work of God, that is, what God does in us, the power of God with which he makes us strong, the wisdom of God with which he makes us wise, the strength of God, the salvation of God, the glory of God. He finally got it. What he's been suffering for, he finally got it. Through what? Through his works? No. Through Christ's work. When God finally revealed it to him. He finally got the peace that he was looking for. Not by his, his sacrifices. Not by his penance. Fasting. Vigils. There was no amount that he could pay. Because he did everything. This is a person with a doctorate's degree. Back in the day. So this is real. This is real. There was no Facebook, no online college here. This is real stuff. He did the study. But yet he suffered. He longed for God. And God helped him. God revealed himself to him. What was the purpose of the law? Galatians 3:19 20. Why the law then? It was added because of the transgressions having been ordained through angels by the agency of a mediator until the seed would come to whom the promise had been made. Now a mediator is not, one, not for one party only, whereas God is only one. Is the law then contrary to the promises of God? May it never be. For if a law had been given which was enabled to impart life, then righteousness would indeed have been based on law. But the scripture has shut up everyone under sin so that the promise by faith in Jesus Christ might be given to those who believe. Romans 3.20, For no one can ever be made right with God by doing what the law commands. The law simply shows us how sinful we are. I know it's clear. Actually, it's, it's soothing, isn't it? If you have been trying, if you are sitting there, you've been trying to be right with God, and you could never still get that peace that you've been trying to long for, that you've been longing for, this should be soothing. This should be comforting that the grace of God is just imparted to us because of what Christ has done on the cross. Not alone, that should give us comfort. But before faith, back in Galatians. But before our faith came, we were kept in custody under the law, being shut up to the faith which was later to be revealed. Therefore, the law was, has become our tutor or guardian to lead us to Christ, so that we may be justified by faith. But now that faith has come, we are no longer under a tutor. For you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with christ there is neither jew nor greek slave nor free male nor female for you are all one in christ jesus that's the best thing that's the best thing that has happened to us amen so if you think your prayer hasn't been answered the prayers that you've been praying for you know what you're forgetting the most important thing has been given to you if you have accepted christ as your lord The most important thing has been imparted to you. Eternal life, brothers and sisters, has been guaranteed and was given to us. So the best thing we have. Amen? So stop walking around in this world thinking that your God, our God, has not answered your prayers. Maybe He has not answered your selfish prayers. But He has answered The one thing that Martin Luther worked so hard for, and Paul, but he has revealed it to us. He has given it to us. Amen? Amen. I I, I want to say I'm almost done, but but now God has shown us a way to be made right with him. This is in Romans, without keeping the requirements of the law. I'm going to keep pounding this tonight. Hopefully, it sticks. As was promised in the writings of Moses and the prophets long ago, we are made right with God by placing, placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who we are. For everyone has sinned, we all fall short of God's glorious standard. Everybody knows that, Romans 3.23. 24 says, yet God, in His grace, freely makes us right in His sight. He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty for our sins. God presented Jesus as the sacrifice for sin. People are made right with God when they believe Jesus, when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life shedding his blood. Can we boast? Can we boast then? That we have done anything to be accepted by God? No. Because our acquittal is not based on obeying the law. It is based on faith. So we are made right with God through faith and not by obeying the law. Because if we can earn it, then we'll be boasting about it. Correct? Just look at your Facebook post. (laughs) Or your friend's Facebook, not yours. (laughs) Just look at it. We are boastful by nature. Correct? By nature, our sinful nature wants to boast. Everything that we have done, we want to talk about it. We talk about our victories. We don't talk about our failures. And if we can earn heaven, I tell you, we will be bragging about it. Praise God that we can't because we can't earn it. Because all the glory to him and to him alone. This is in Revelation. I'm going to close with this one. Say amen. (laughs) I'm like, well, why? My prayer was answered tonight. (laughs) I thought he was going to keep going. He's not playing. (laughs) Worthy are you to take the book and to break its seals. For you were slain and purchased for God with your blood, men from every tribe and tongue and people and nation. That's the gospel that heaven proclaims. That's the gospel that heaven celebrates. In closing, Paul makes the point that trying to follow the law could never be a source of salvation to anyone because no one has kept the law completely. Jesus, plus or minus anything, does not equal faith. It is a formula, and formulas does not free anyone. Instead, they compel us. Formulas compel us to create burdensome lists of to-dos and not-dos. It gives us, it confines us to rules and regulations that restricts us. And ultimately, a false gospel that steals the joy of our relationship with the lover of our soul, which is Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the lover of our soul. Amen? He died while we were his enemies. Only faith in Christ alone leads to freedom. And that freedom produces life-giving, spiritual fruit in our lives by which we can bless others. When we finally get it, that the Holy Spirit dwells in us. And we will become a source of blessing for others. That's how I'm going to end tonight. I pray that everyone, if I did offend you, I pray that the Holy Spirit will be the one to comfort you because of the truth that He has spoken through His words. Our main goal here, like what we said, is to know Christ. And the real Christ is our goal. To become like Him. And if we become like him, then we cannot help but to make him known. Let's close in prayer. Father, we thank you for your message tonight. I thank you for your people, for their patience, Lord God. I pray, Father, that you have uh, touched their lives tonight. For, For many of us who have received you as our Lord, we thank you, Father, for that truth. For that truth that it wasn't us who earned it, but it was you and you alone. And praise you for that. And Father, I pray for the lost souls that are here. May this be the evening, Father, that they will finally get it. That they finally got it. Like It's not something that they can earn. But it's something that you have provided for them. Through the death of your Son on the cross. Father, we thank you for doing everything for us. In Jesus' name we pray. That was the end of today's message. If you want to support our mission of reaching many others through this podcast, help us grow our ministry by visiting ficfreno.com forward slash give. To get the latest updates from our channel, hit the subscribe button. Visit our Facebook page by clicking the link below to let us know how God is moving in your life.